good morning to you all. And a special welcome to young people in the service today. And I hope you will find this to be an interesting experience. Let's just open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It seems so little just to say thank you for such a, a great and penetrating thing. Lord, it's the way that we know you and we know what you want for us. But it is not much use to us without your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us to understand it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us today to show us what particular thing it is you want us to remember about this message today and for us to take it forward in our lives with us every day from this time on. In Jesus' name, Amen. So our text today is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. We're finally on the downhill slope, the last um, chapter, and we'll be looking at verses 1 to 4. So please could you turn there now. Before we read through it, though, I have a few questions, and this is the first one. Okay? This is an egg, one of Mrs. Yonker's finest eggs. Okay, if I took this egg, okay, and I threw it off, just lucky it didn't slip. If I threw it against the wall behind me, can anybody tell me what would happen? Yes, yes. Of course it would break. And I would be in big trouble with the lady who cleans the church. She would probably send me to my room without supper. Now, can you think of any way that the egg wouldn't break if I threw it against the wall? Bubble wrap. Bubble wrap. How much bubble wrap? This much bubble wrap. No. No, unless it was a fossilised dinosaur egg, they always break when you throw them at hard things. So why am I asking this weird question? It's to make my first important point, and that is that actions always have consequences. Sometimes we can see what happens, like the egg splattering, and then running down the wall. Sometimes the consequences are hidden, like with sin. And we think we can hide them where nobody can see them, but the consequences are still there. So that's the first thing I want, to, want us to remember, that actions have consequences. The next question I want to ask is this. Have you ever thought about what things would be like if there were no rules at all? If everybody could just do whatever they liked, whenever they liked. Have you ever thought about that? For example, let's just say that you wanted ice cream for every meal. Ice cream for breakfast, ice cream for lunch, an ice cream snack at tea time, and then an extra large helping of ice cream for dinner. Yeah? However, your brother only wanted chippies, your little sister wanted broccoli, your mum wanted bananas, and your dad wanted elephant. That was on Monday. On Tuesday, Dad wanted ice cream, you wanted chippies, your little sister wanted eggs, and Mum still wanted broccoli. Oh, your brother, he wanted hamburger. On Wednesday, it was you peas, Mum, Brussels sprouts, Dad's sausage, brother, bread rolls. But then at lunchtime, he saw Dad's plate, and he wanted sausages as well, and then your little sister wanted rhubarb. 
Thursday. Well, let's not think about Thursday. Can you imagine what it would be like trying to do the shopping or make meals or get what, every, what everybody wanted right every time, not mixing up the Brussels sprouts and ice cream? It would be pretty much impossible and soon everybody in the house would be yelling at everyone else about how they wanted this but got that and how they were upset and nobody loved them and nobody cared and so on. And here's the point of the story. This is why we had rules. To stop bad consequences. Mum or dad decides what's for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Somebody can then go to the shops and buy the right things ahead of time and cook it nicely and then make sure that everybody gets their fair share. Things are organised and while you may have wanted the ice cream a lot, it's better than a house full of angry and hungry yelling people. And it's like this right through life. We need rules or everything will become a giant mess of angry and upset people because they haven't got exactly what they wanted at a particular time. So to stop that, everyone, everywhere, have all agreed to give up some of what we want so as to have something much more important, which is order and peace. And we've agreed that there must be rules. It should not be a surprise that actions have consequences. To help stop bad consequences, we have rules, and that those rules give us peace are all things that God likes and wants from his sons and daughters. And that's us, if we're Christians, God's sons and daughters. He's the one who made us and made everything else, and he knows why he made us. He knows what is best for us, and he also knows what is bad for us. And this is true for all our lives, but there are times when somebody else is set over us to look after us, like when we are kids and mum and dad are in charge. So we need to think about how godly actions and consequences and rules will be lived out then when there are people over us. Later on, yeah, there will be times when we are the ones doing the looking after, when we are mums and dads ourselves, and we need to know how to apply our experience and knowledge of godly actions, consequences, and rules. And that's what today's piece of scripture is about, living with rules. So, let's finally read it. Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So this is why you're here today, kids, not in junior church, but in the main service. In case you don't know how we work out the sermons for every Sunday, the way that we do that is we usually work our way through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, to see what God has to say to us. And today these verses have something to say to children. And so it wouldn't make sense for me to be talking about them that when the people who need to hear it are sitting in another room. Now usually we'd go through each verse very, very carefully and look at all of the bits to understand what God is saying to us about them. But today there's only time for two main points. And the first one is about obedience and the second one is about integrity. So let's start with the obedience bit. We'll look at verse 1 where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. What does this mean for me if I are a children? How do I actually live like that? Well, first of all, 
who are children. It turns out that that's pretty easy. The Greek word that's used here tells us that the people that are being talked about in this verse are children. So there's no point in trying to say any more. But it is worth saying that we can still be children in our 30s, 40s and 50s because mostly we still have parents then who have not stopped being able to teach us about the Lord and life. Leaving home does not mean the end of the parent-child relationship. It changes a great deal as children become responsible adults, yes. But leaving home does not mean that we should straight away stop listening to our parents or that parents should stop being available to give advice. Now, I use this word available because as parents we need to see that our adult children are just that. They're adults. If we've done our jobs properly, then they should hopefully have just enough life experience by then to make their own, their own choices, and then they are responsible for what happens next. So for the most part, we must wisely stand back. I also say available because as adult children who might be 59 years old, we ought to be humble enough to see that our parents are available and often anxious to share their own life lessons with us in the hope that we might make the best choices possible. And so we should not be too proud to ask. The next thing we need to talk about is what it really means to obey your parents. If you think about it, there are a few ways that a person can obey. They can do it because they are forced by some kind of threat, like you're going to get beaten 500 times if you don't do this. Or they can obey because they want to. And a lot of the time they obey because they're somewhere in between. It's just easiest to go along. Which one is meant here in Ephesians? Well, it's always helpful to look at the Greek that this part of the Bible was written in. Now, did you know that, that some of the Bible was written in another language called Greek and what we see here today in English was written down by somebody who could speak both languages and so could tell us what the Greek means? The word that we read here is, as a bay, is actually made up of two Greek words that are stuck together. And they tell us that the meaning is not just an ear thing, but it means hear and understand and then go and do it. So ears and brain and heart and hands are all doing stuff. And because Greek is a very clever language, we can also tell that this is something that you are supposed to do all the time and do happily, not because you're scared or like a grumpy pig. Who's a grumpy pig here? Hearing that might not make you very happy. Maybe you think that it's not fair that you should just have to obey and that's the end of it. And if this was just advice from people, it might well be that way because people are often wrong. The thing is that this advice isn't just from people, it's from God. He knows us better than we know ourselves and he also knows what is the very best thing for us to do at any time? And that might be something that you don't like in that particular minute. But I promise you, later on you'll be able to look back and understand. Hmm, ah, so that's why this or that particular thing happened. And this is why it's important to be obedient. God sometimes takes us down roads that aren't fun to be on. So we wouldn't choose them by ourselves. 
but we will miss out on the good things at the end of them if we are disobedient and run down that nice-looking road with an ice cream instead. God has given us some really good help. He has given us parents to help us through times when we could really get hurt if we were just by ourselves and had to decide what to do by ourselves. And although it's true they are not as smart as God, they have a lot more life experience than us and so they know what is a good idea and what isn't and they are tall enough to reach the biscuit tin on the top shelf, which is really handy. So in the same way, we must trust God to do the best thing for us, even though it might seem nasty at the time. We must also trust our parents to be doing the same thing for us. And this is why children ought to obey their parents, because parents are there to help them to get to the best place. Maybe by now you're asking the question, what if I'm told to do something bad? Must I just happily obey then? The answer is no, definitely not, because obedience is only right when the order that is given is right. And that is only when it is the sort of thing that God would himself gladly do. And remember, he will never do anything wrong, so that makes him a really good example for us. A picture we often have of the army is that soldiers are trained to follow orders without asking any questions. And that's mostly true. But there's actually a big rule that goes over the top of all that about a thing called lawful orders. And what that means is that if the biggest general in the army tells the lowest private to go and steal something, the private has the right to say, No, sir, I will not do that because that is not a lawful order. And then all the general can do is huff and puff and then go and jump in a lake. The laws of the country the soldier is fighting for do not allow people to steal things. And so generals cannot abuse their power by getting soldiers to steal stuff. In fact, the general will get in a lot of trouble if he tries it. Trust me, he will be sent to the timeout room for a very, very long time. The words that we are studying today were written by a man named Paul. But the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, was helping Paul to know what to write. The Spirit knew that it would often be hard for us to obey our parents because we'd rather eat ice cream than take out the garbage. And this is why he reminds us of the biggest reason we must obey, which is simply because we follow Jesus. And that's what it means here when we read, Obey your parents in the Lord. We should obey our parents, even if they do not believe in Jesus themselves, because Jesus is our Lord. We are in him. When we obey, when we do the right thing, we are showing everybody what God is like, that he brings order to things through obedience, even when times are hard. And Jesus himself gave us the greatest example ever of this. You know, when we read in the Bible that he was so afraid of what was going to happen to him, that when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray before he was crucified, that he was sweating actual blood can you imagine how scared he was can you imagine how scared you'd have to be to sweat blood and it would have been so very easy for him to run away but he didn't he did the hard thing and he died on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven 
He died because that is what his father wanted him to do. He was obedient and honored his father. And that is a great example to us. And there's more than just being obedient. God also wants us to have the right feeling in our hearts when we obey. We read here, honor your mother and father. And this is not a new idea at all, because it's one of the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses in the Old Testament. Honor your mother and father is number five. This word honor is important because it tells us about the feeling that should be behind the action. Honor is a word that means to give a lot of value to. When we are talking about honoring our mums and dads, it means that we can see how hard they work for us and how much they care for and look after us. And that makes them very special to us and very valuable. When I say valuable, nobody's going to buy them. It's not like that. You can't sell your dad and buy an Xbox. We show our parents honor by being happy to help them because we respect and love them. And this is what God hopes so very much to see in our hearts when we obey. Willingness and love, not bitterness or anger. So young people, I hope that you will think about some of this stuff when you get home. You might ask yourself some questions like, how do you obey your parents now? What could you do to be a little bit better at it? And what are you thinking about when mum and dad ask you to do something? Perhaps you will have to ask God to help you to be more obedient and more cheerful about doing things. And I'm sure that your mum and dad will be very happy to help you pray about it. Now I've said a lot of stuff to you today in case you can't remember it all. Here's a little saying from a very wise lady named Corrie Tenboom that might help you when you are thinking about obedience. And it should be easy to remember. It says, when we are obedient, God guides our steps and our stops. When we are obedient, God guides our steps and our stops. But just remember that and you'll be fine. Now we aren't quite finished yet because I need to talk about the rest of the text, which is about integrity. And this bit of the sermon is aimed straight at dads. And so the language is going to change a bit. Verse 4 says, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And this is not a new idea. In the book of Colossians, it was also written while Paul was in prison in Rome. He writes an almost identical instruction. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now the obvious difference here is that he talks about discouragement, and literally that means losing heart instead of anger. I'm sure that no man here would ever set out deliberately to make their children either angry or discouraged. Yet sometimes we manage to do an excellent job of causing both at the same time. This is not good. Not just because it results in a lot of door slamming and crying and yelling in the house, but because done often enough we can grievously damage both our children's character and the relationship we might have had with them for the rest of our lives. This is serious stuff. And since it is so, I want to be very direct. 
Gentlemen, I, we, you are responsible before God for the godly rearing and godly education of our children. Not your wife, not the school, not junior church. These will all play a very valuable part in their due time, but the one God is going to be asking questions of is the husband. You. So what will you say to him? No squirming now. Will you say, I was too busy earning a living or playing golf or I was at the club? Somehow I don't think those are going to sound very convincing before our Heavenly Father. In fact, I think this is going to be a very, very uncomfortable situation. So where do we start? I believe that these two words, anger and discouragement, are very helpful because they cause us to think about what we may do that will cause them. And so I want to suggest a few alternative words that will guide us. Consistency, justice, honour, integrity. Fathers are not supposed to be their children's friends. They are supposed to be their father's. Tempered by love, fathers make rules and enforce consequences when they are broken. This is not always a friendly encounter, and it will not be effective if we try to make it so. I do not want to be misunderstood, though. It is never appropriate to punish in anger. Yelling and hitting is never appropriate. So how do we do it? We are indisputably called by God to this role, but how do we discharge it in a godly manner? How do we avoid creating anger and discouragement in our children? I believe we might ask ourselves questions like these. How are our personal spiritual lives? Are we personally studying the Bible? Are we praying? Are we walking the walk for our children to see? Are the rules that we make the same every day? Or are there different ones for days that start with W or end in I'm tired and I don't feel like it? Do we always stick to the same rules in our own lives or is it don't do as I do, do as I tell you? I can tell you, I had that speech when I was a child and I hated it. Are the rules fair and achievable or are we expecting adult behaviour from a six-year-old? Is the punishment fair? Does it fit the crime? Are we honourable? Do we do what we say we will do when we say we will do it? And this is true as much for consequences as it is for treats. Now I'm sure you can think of a bunch more. The important thing is that we do think. We think about our responsibility as fathers often. And we ask, we talk to other fathers, and we look to our wives for advice and opinion. And above all, we ask God to help us. Trying to do this on our own is just plain foolishness. And failure just doesn't impact us, it impacts our whole family. The strong, silent type may be a mysterious and intriguing stereotype, but is not the father that any of us would like to have in real life. So far we've only been talking about matters of character. But that is not the whole message in verse 4, is it? 
It's all very well to speak of character, but who will be our model? Mother Teresa? Richie McCaw? Donald Trump? No, not Donald Trump. Actually, no human is good enough. Verse 4 says that we are to raise our children in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And there are some other translations that say the discipline and instruction of the Lord, which is a little bit clearer. And that is the only right answer, for the greatest character can only profitably be based on Christ. But how can we teach Christ, God's living word, without referring to his written word, the Bible? Gentlemen, it is our duty and obligation before God to make Scripture, its promises, instructions and disciplines an intimate part of our children's lives. Nobody else is called to be in charge of that and there is no authority above God's word. Now I'm not saying that others must not play a part, that every little tiny part of our children's education is down to us men. No. But we must set the standard. We must make the plan and we must live lives that show we believe it. Fobbing this work off to others while we eat ice cream, that is not the mark of a godly father. Ice cream is very good. But too much of it will always cause problems for both kids and parents. And so we need to be careful with it. So there is always a choice in our lives. Ice cream or integrity? Which one will we choose? Which one? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the challenge in today's message. I pray that we wouldn't reject it because it makes us uncomfortable whether it's obeying or leading for us. Lord, I pray that through the help of your Holy Spirit, we would step up and heed your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.